Well, welcome everybody. Uh, my name is Eric Gentry, and this is my wife, Stephanie Gentry. And a little bit we'll introduce the panel to you, or the, we'll have them introduce themselves to you. A lot of them are sitting around you, so be nice. They're, 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 they're amongst you, so be careful. But uh, well, let's start off with, with a word of prayer. Dear God, I just thank you so much that uh, we get to be here among friends. And uh, this is a safe place. This is a place where we can be encouraged, we can be restored, and we can hear from you. God, I think uh, when I look at my life, the two biggest frustrations is in the area of my marriage and the way I raise my kids. (laughs) And I just see those failures so big, and uh, sometimes Satan uses those to whip us. God, right now, we just want to lay those burdens at your feet and know that you will restore us, that you can fix all that, that you can encourage us, that starting today, we can be a new creature in our parenting. And the gospel says that you restore us and you, you, you reveal your truth and we can start anew. And God, right now, I just pray that each person would just begin to let go of some of those burdens. And God, that we would just be ready to launch out and love our kids uh, in a greater way. We thank you for this day. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Well, uh, I would like to hear from you guys to start off. And, uh, you know, you know, parents, you know, I, I guess growing up, you know, father's, father knows best, you know, the Brady Bunch, you know, you kind of see. But, you know, as you think about, you know, good parents, good parenting, you know, what would you guys say the world says makes up a good parent? We can be specific on mother and father, but, what, you know, what does the world say is a good parent? So speak up, say it kind of loud, but what, what, what would you guys say on that? Does the world say probably a friend? A friend, that's right. That you love, whatever that is, yeah. Yeah, love. Spending time, exactly. Yeah, you, you fund their life. <laughs> you bankroll, very nice. Educate them, educate them for the future. Your goals prepare them for the future, Yeah. What else? Protect them. Seen and not heard. Yes, indeed. That's what MTV tells you. Exactly. No doubt. Patience. Big time. Big time. Any others? I think we've covered the majority of them. Well, of... You know, what we, you know, our goal today is biblical parenting. I think when Margaret and I, and Stephanie and I started talking to her about this, we were just like, okay, biblical parenting, you know, what does that really look like? Where does that come from? Where does it start? And, uh, you know, and there really are more scriptures about than you think when you start kind of unpacking it. And so uh, Stephanie's going to kind of dive into, you know, where we're starting with that and, you know, just kind of that biblical point of view on that. Okay. First of all, um, for those of you that don't know us, oh. we are not perfect parents, um, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> so if you're looking for a perfect blueprint, you might want to just file out. But <laughs> we, oh, you want, okay, uh, sorry. He wants me to tell you how long we've been married. We've been married almost 22 years, and we have four children, and for those of you that don't know us, get ready for it. We have an 18-year-old that just graduated from high school. We have a 15-year-old that will be 16 in August. We have a little girl. Those are both boys. And we have a little girl that just turned 13 a few days ago. And we have Luke, who is four, will turn five in August. So um, we've been on a journey. (laughs) And and they're all biological. Just nobody's adopted. So that was just a big gap. He was prayed for. He was not a mistake. He was not a surprise. Well, Yes, the time was, was a surprise, but we had been praying for him up to the moment. <laughs> Just didn't expect it at that point. Thought we were waiting for something else, So, um, and we were blessed. But it has been a ride, and I want to just um, share with you a little bit from my heart. We aren't perfect parents. No one is a perfect parent. The only perfect parent is God. And God created Adam and Eve who sinned. So now we have God, who's the perfect parent, with children who are sinners. And those sinners are raising more sinners. 
because man at that point all have sinned from that point on. And I've heard it said from, um, I think, a pretty wise person, a pastor, once said that children, some people think children come into the world perfect and um, not sinners. But really, children, if you spend much time with them at all, they're just great big sinners and little tiny packages. And, um, and then they grow. <laughs> so, um, but with that, you need, I just, God is in the business of redemption. And um, he can redeem relationships. He can redeem the time with your children, with your spouse. And um, we've seen it in our lives. We've seen it in countless lives as we've walked this journey of 20, almost 22 years. So um, I guess when I, in the notes, we wrote take away. It's not, we don't want to take away anything. It's Eric is always, when he was in children's ministry, you know, what is the takeaway? And so um, the takeaway today is that um, we want to give you like more of a big picture of parenting. And then that we pray, we've prayed about this, that you feel equipped to um, begin a new chapter in your family, no matter what has come before, you know, starting now. Um, some of you might just need validation of what's been going on and um, just validate what you're doing scripturally as well. Um, but we pray that for you, your children, and your marriages. So, um, yeah. Right. <laughs> Good job. And, uh, well, let's talk about, you know, uh, you know if God is the perfect parent he is the perfect father how does he love us and i think that's that's some of the confusion is we see well you know i'm trying to love like god does and i'll look at the things i do and i'm like i'm not really doing this the way god would and so uh so you know, so when we look at of uh, you know what does the lord's discipline look like you know he, you know he loves his discipline is always motivated by love and sometimes that's a hard thing to think about. So if he's always motivated by love, that means whenever you know I don't get the job that I want, he's still you know leading me by love. Whenever you know something blows up in the hot you know the hot water heater blows up and I've got to deal with that, he's motivated. He's loving me. You know he's he, he's caring for me with love. And so a lot of times we get confused that we want things to be perfect for us, but when they're not, we have to understand he still loves us. And I think our kids, that, that's probably the hardest thing for our kids to grasp, is when we do something that goes against what they want, they say, you no longer love me. It's like, no, I do. This is why I'm doing it. So we, so we always have to remember, don't, you know, just because you don't get the response from your child you want, doesn't mean you didn't do the right thing. So, you know, because God, you know, that, that's where he comes from. And his discipline is proof that we are his children. Yeah, you know, I've been, a, I've enjoyed, of. Read the, the, I like to podcast different people in the village church of Matt Chandler was going through Habakkuk recently. And I don't know if you've ever read the book of Habakkuk, but go ch- go podcast that because it was awesome. You know, you, you know, here Habakkuk was frustrated because of, you know, the children of Israel. They finally got Josiah, the first king that actually fixed the temple, did things right. They were like, Habakkuk was like, finally, everything's great. And then Josiah gets killed in battle. His son is worse than Josiah's dad was, and everything just went to hell in the handbasket. And Habakkuk was like, what happened? God, everything was great. Everything just went away. Why did you take Josiah away? And he says, oh, yeah, I'm going to take care of it. Good. I'm glad you're going to take care of it. I'm going to bring the Chaldeans over. And the Chaldeans, he's like, whoa, 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 the Chaldeans are worse than we are. You're going to use somebody worse than us to discipline us? And so Habakkuk was very confused. But God knew what God was going to discipline them, but then he was going to end up, you know, of dealing harshly with the Chaldeans for what they had done. He's like, I'm going to discipline you because I love you. I'm going to take care of them. They're going to get their comings up. But with you, I'm going to discipline you, and I'm going to discipline you any way I want. And so I think a lot of times, you know, our kids don't understand when we discipline them. But if we understand why we're doing it, then that's that's really all that matters, uh, you know. And then his discipline is all, always has our best interest in mind, kind of what we're talking about. And you just always got to remember, God has the best interest, and so you, you got to trust yourself. Say, hey, well, even though my kids are hating me whenever I'm doing this, you know, I I do have God's best interest. Um, okay, in that scripture down at the bottom of the page, it really just the Lord. This isn't our 
these aren't our words. These are the Lord's words. Um, in Hebrews 12, 5, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. So those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And um, there are you know, more scriptures down below that and throughout the Bible. But also in this hand, handout that just remind us that the discipline is for his righteousness. And Eric was referring to Habakkuk. Discipline was not the same for the Israelites as it would be later for the Chaldeans. And it would be for a totally different reason. But it's all for his purpose. And so your children don't. I mean, we are commanded to discipline our children just by his his example and his words. And we're, we'll talk more and more about that. Um, his discipline hurts. Hebrews 12:11. For the moment, all discipline seems, does anybody know that, painful? Mm. So all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it, <laughs> it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So we're going for righteousness, and that's what God is going for in our lives. And that's what we are training our children for is righteousness, not to be obedient, be seen, and not heard. There's a reason, and we're going to talk more about that too. There's a reason behind all discipline, and our kids also need to know that. There are times when, well, all the time, they are to obey right away, all the way. But they need to know why, or they're not going to take ownership of it. And that's why so many children will rebel later, because it's been mom and dad's rule, but I don't know why. And so um, that's what we hope, that you'll, you'll have that background where you know why. And so you can go forth with confidence with the discipline. So. You know, on the next page over has a couple of passages. I'll let you do the Proverbs, but uh, the Psalm 127. <laughs> I don't want to jump in on what a woman's supposed to do. But, uh, Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guides the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. Then you bu- jump down to three. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man who has a quiver full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies at the gate. You know, and, and one of the things I love about being a child of, of Christ is I am his arrow. You know, I, you know, once I, I've been, I was created for a purpose, but, you know, God created me to go out and do his work. But then once I've accepted Christ into my life, I am a new creature. And now I have the Holy Spirit within me. I have, I have Christ within me to go out and impact the kingdom. And he, it, it, in the same way, our children are our arrows. They're, they're God's instrument. But God has said, here, here's some arrows. Here's just like what I've given to you and the way I love on you. Now I want to empower you with some arrows. And I want to see what you can do as you flow through what I'm telling you, what I'm teaching. And, you know, it, it's kind of this on-the-job training, which is so exciting. It's the way God, Christ died for us, follows us, and we get to do the same thing and pour into our children. And, um, you, know, you know, as an arrow, you know, you, you prepare the arrow, you straighten it, you clean off the feathers, you try to straighten it up, you do everything you can to prepare that arrow, but still you have to launch it and let it go. Got and it. Got it. Got you, it. You do got it. Yes. <laughs> yes, you do got it. And that's kind of where we're at right now with our 18-year-old. You know, it's just, you know, right now, he, he comes into our room almost every night. You know, and it's like, it's 1 o'clock. I'm out of bed. But it's awesome because I think he knows he's about to leave. And he knows I'm trying to gather last bits of information. And so we're wanting to impart stuff. And now every time I get in the car, it's like, okay. What other conversation? What have we not covered? Okay, this, this, okay. Okay, yeah. Today we got to cover this. And so I'm kind of having this checklist of have I covered all these things? But there's a great opportunity to, to fine tune that arrow and just sit there and think, okay, where's the bow at? Now, every time I talk to him, I'm thinking, okay, which direction is the bow right now? You know, is it, is it off? Is the arch good enough? Is it too flat? Is he going to go right into the ground? You know, is he ready for what the culture is about to throw at him? So it's just I'm just continually evaluating. So it's just a great opportunity. Um, one of the things that I wanted to say towards that, too, is that we we homeschool 
And from the very beginning of homeschooling Caleb, I realized it would have been lovely if I could just open up his little brain and pour in. Okay, mix it and go. But that's not what education is. Education is training them to love, to learn, and then you train them with the basics that they need. And um, we prayed from the beginning that God would fill in anything, which would be a lot, that I failed at. And it's the same thing with our children and training them to be adults that love and follow Christ, is that we are going to fail. We are going to forget things. We, but our response, we do have that responsibility, but also to pray that the Lord redeems, like we were talking about before, redeems your time, redeems your conversations. We're going to talk more and more about taking the opportunities every day along the way. Um, we're really big on that, like he was talking about, too. I want to go back to Proverbs 14.1 with this in mind. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. And um, this goes for both men and women, but... Women are with children longer, more hours of the day. And if you don't have an intentional plan, if you're not intentional with your children, um, you end up tearing down. You could be building something great, but if you're not intentional, something's going to happen. Some, something's going to creep in. The enemy is usually in some of that, in, in different forms, that um, you end up tearing down what you're really trying to build. And so be very intentional and really just under the Lord's protection. And we'll talk more about that as well as we go. So uh, The next next uh, page, you know, I, I got this from another speaker but i thought it was it was neat to kind of look at to give us some perspective and it says what does your house look like and uh you know is it an amusement park you know i think sometimes i kind of live that way you know it's like you know, i want i want life to be happy you know uh you know you know characteristics no is seldom heard you know if you go to six flags yeah sure you can ride this you're a little shorter go ahead it's okay you know you know it, it's you know th- there's all these opportunities to go do things there's a lack of discipline no appreciation for delayed gratification. Uh, in Proverbs 22, 6 says, you know, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so the amusement park, you know, that, that, that's, that's kind of America. You know, that's kind of the, uh, the Nickelodeon life. You know, everything is happy. You know, there's no problem. You know, why, why delay waiting on this? You know, you got a credit card. Why delay, why delay on this? You know, you, there's going to be something else later. All your friends have it, so don't delay, you know. I think in America especially, we feel like we're failures if we have to say no. You can't have that or you can't have this. And sometimes even within the church community, you might get some rebellion from adults telling your children, what, you can't do that? And um, I think we do our children, I believe we do our children a disservice if we don't say no to certain things. And if there's not ever delayed gratification, how are they ever going to learn that if we don't start at a younger age? Um, Chuck Swindoll actually talks on that and has a whole sermon series on that, telling your child no and why that is important to um, for their future as adults, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, another one is the zoo. Uh, there's no clear chain of command. Confusion over rules. You know, you think about, you know, if you look at a pen of monkeys and what's going on, you know, it's just sometimes it just feels like chaos. And sometimes that's what our house looks like. You know, it's like what's going on. But there is authority. You know, the husband, the wife and the children. But obviously, you know, the, the wife is the helpmate. Christ is loving the wife. As I mean, the husband is loving the wife as Christ loves his, you know, his church. So, but uh, but you know, there's, but it basically, you know, the wife must submit to her husband, but the children are to obey their parents, or a nursery. You know, sometimes of uh, you know, we, we, we try to create this great nurturing, protective. My goal is to make sure you're not harmed and, and, and you're as clean and pure as you can be when you leave. Which that is the goal, but sometimes we get a little skewed on that. Maybe safety first, okay? You know, you know, okay, safety is important, but boys, you know, having three boys, we definitely learned that you know, a skin knee is sometimes the greatest, you know, the, the greatest trophy they can go show their friends because this is what I did, you know. So you kind of allowing boys to be boys. Moms, I've learned that because yeah. <laughs> that's been a big lesson in our life. Yeah. I still am learning it, actually. And, uh, you know, sheltering. I think, of, you know, sometimes the church can teach too much of sheltering. I, don't get me wrong. We are to keep them pure. We are to, to, to provide a good, safe environment. But sometimes we have to think... Jesus didn't always play it super safe. You know, Jesus went out 
and impacted the, the world, impacted the community. And what's age appropriate? I think we sometimes need to talk to friends. Hey, how am I doing with this? Am I being age appropriate with my 13-year-old? You know, am I t- or am I treating them like an eight-year-old? And a lot of times that's living in community really helps. Because a lot of times I need to invite somebody into my house and say, how are we doing on this? And uh, the tendency to prepare the path for the child rather than the child for the path. That's kind of that helicopter mentality. I'm checking out the world. Okay, how's everything look? Okay, you can move forward now. Okay, how's this look? You know, at, at certain ages, that's good. But at certain time, we've got to prepare them to say, hey, here's a machete. This is how you swing it. And I want you to be the, sh- this is how you sharpen your machete, but it's time to go. So we got to, you know, prepare them to go out and make their own path with Christ. And that, that comes from teaching and that comes from faith and praying really hard when you walk out and let them go do that. Uh, an airport. And I think an airport, I thought about this, there's a lot of this with me, but there's little margin for error. Error, You know, when the kids are doing things, I said, no, 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 we can't have that. You know, you know, you know, you know, food in this room, you know, no, no, food never comes in here. This is movie night, but popcorn, there's too many popcorn kernels in the, in the sofa, so no more popcorn, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is, uh, preoccupied with what lies ahead. And then just basic anxiety and stress. I think that's one of the things I've had to work on was I would t- give some of my stress to my kids. Just because I was worrying about my job. I've been straight commissioned pretty much my whole career. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's highly stressful. And I realized I was starting to put some of that on my kids because I was stressed about things. And I kind of had to say, Eric, you got to stop that. That's your deal because this is your career choice. But you can't impact, you can't make your kids feel that stress. So I had to start being careful what I was going to share to them. Or I would share it in a constructive way. Hey, if you were going to choose this job, these are some of the things you got to deal with. So it'd be more educational, not panic. Uh, a business aiming for success, you know, choosing the right schools, SAT scores, everything that we're doing is about getting you ready for uh, college prep classes. You know, your PSAT has got to be great. It's got to be this. You know, you, how's your vocabulary numbers? You know, and it's all about the world's economy, not about God's economy. It's about what's going to make you successful there. Uh, Mark 10, Jesus called them, whoever would be great of, um, among you must be a servant. Uh, so I think teaching our kids to be a servant, not to be elevated in what the world would say is great. And then the last one is an embassy. And I think this is kind of where we're wanting to gain, you know, what at least our home is. And I think what we should all be uh, shooting for, but aiming for success, having an eternal perspective and choosing God's economy. In 2 Corinthians 5.20 is, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Uh, we implore you on, our, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled with God. So just sitting there thinking, hey, we're an embassy preparing. We're a sanctuary in a foreign land. We're a place that neighbors can come in. You know, we're inviting them. We're teaching them God's economy, teaching them what God's provision is. And uh, we're not going to panic when things go crazy because we know what the end of the game is. We know what Gary's been preaching, and we share that with our, with our friends. Okay, I want to talk about your biblical goal of parenting. Um, I know. Yeah, I was just noticing that myself, too. I've already mentioned it a little bit, not in these exact words, but our primary primary responsibility as a parent is to teach our kids a life devoted to Jesus Christ. Um, you want to make Christ so attractive in the way that we act, in the way that we train them, and that they realize that his way is the best way, that it's just um, contagious. Does that make sense? That's... Um, in these, in the Bible verses, Deuteronomy six four through nine, I'm not going to quote it. You can read it, but just you know, you know, you've most of you have probably heard it. Train up, um, you're going to train them everywhere when you're walking along the highways. Um, in our okay, in present day, that means when you're riding carpool to school, to dance class, to guitar lessons, you've got a captive audience. Take advantage of that. Um, we do that and. Um, we teach precepts, God's laws, and God's um, desires for us at a very, very early age. I will admit to you, Luke sometimes gets lost, and I think, okay, by this point, Caleb knew way more. But, um, 
but God is gracious, and Luke is not Caleb in so many ways. I was sharing with a couple of men today. He's so much easier to, to train in some ways. We'll probably run into things later that we haven't run into yet with the others. But just um, the other night, I was on the phone in the car talking to another son, and just real briefly, and as I'm doing it, Luke, who honestly has never done this to me, he might have done it to you before, but he starts complaining, yelling, crying, whining, and I'm thinking, in the back seat of my car. It could not be Luke. So I get off the phone and I'm hot, but I'm also a lot older than I was when Caleb was that age. And he, although he didn't act like that, there were other things that he did. And so I'm thinking, okay, moment. I said, Luke, we have talked about the fruits of the Spirit. Do you remember the fruits of the Spirit? And it gets quiet in the back seat because I'm, I'm sure in his little mind he's thinking, what does fruits of the Spirit have to do with this? I want ice cream right now. And um, so we just start going through it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And I start talking to him in his language what that translates to. And I get to self-control. The first time we went through, I get to self-control. And I said, you are not practicing self-control right now. Self-control does not scream and whine for its way. Not at all. That is not. And I said, you know what? Going back to love, that's not showing mommy love. That's not showing Caleb love or kindness. We start going through them one by one, and we go through it again. But um, I, I am being firm, but I am also loving at the same time, and I'm also facing forward, and he's behind me, so I have no clue how this is going. <laughs> so I stop, and I say, Luke, what did you do? He says, I was screaming and I was crying. And I said, was that showing mommy love? No. Was that showing self-control? No. And um, we started talking. I said, what? How can you show mommy self-control next time? I will wait so you're off the phone. So we just talk about that so he knows. I mean, maybe I hadn't trained him. Maybe he didn't realize. I know he did because he's a big Sinner and a little body, remember? <laughs> so I know he knows. And that's one thing as young parents, sometimes we don't realize that. We think, oh, we need to train them everything. They are born sinners. They know how to sin. So our job is to teach them not to sin and how to find righteousness through it. And so with Luke, um, a little bit later, I don't know if it was with Caleb or with Eric, but we talked about it. He knew exactly. He went through the whole thing and told how he wasn't showing self-control and how he needed to be loving and kind. Now, he probably will do this again, although, like I said, he's never done anything like that before. But um, but he got it. And so at young ages, and I'm telling you, with Caleb, it was probably a little bit earlier because Caleb talked earlier and could reason a little bit earlier than Luke did. And so we talk to them about it when they're tiny, but in their vocabulary. You're not going to use the Lord's word exactly like we're reading it in the New American Standard Bible with two-year-old or with the three-year-old or even the five-year-old, but the five-year-old's closer. And so, um, but take those opportunities all the time. Um, so like I said, in the car is a good opportunity. Anytime something comes up with Bonnie, we've had issues, though almost the one that just turned 13, we've had issues with friends. Okay, well, let's talk about this. Um, you know, what have you learned from this, from today? What happened? And... Like, well, I don't want everyone to do that to any of my friends. And I said, bingo, because that's not kind, and that's not being a friend, and that's not Christ-like. And, and, then she's, and then we've talked about, especially recently, as a friend, we choose to forgive because Christ forgave us. And we choose to love even through a hurt and know that we are all sinners, and so we are going to hurt, and our friends are going to hurt us. So you have to step on beyond that. So, um, you know, different ages different teaching moments because I know as a, as a mom as this mom I like to protect and so they said what to you <laughs> well we're just going to go take care of that <laughs> so um you know it's that that's not the right response by the way <laughs> so but you can protect and there is a time to intervene with that too um all of this goes into this is you know modeling and making God attractive and I know, especially younger ages, we would hear it's the quality. You might not have quantity, but you can have quality. And for all of us, quantity is different. I mean, I think the more the better, but some of us are at work all day long. And so you're not going to have all those hours. And again, God redeems the time. Yeah. And so, you know, whatever your intention is and to make it intentional with a purpose, God's going to 
take that and he's going to redeem it. I believe that. I so believe that, especially with your prayer. But I believe children also want quality in the quantity. Quantity is so very important, but quality in the quantity so that it's not just time, but it's quality time and teachable moments. And sometimes teachable moments is playing together. You know, you don't have to make everything a a Bible lesson because you want them to have fun. And with boys, you don't have to really teach that. So don't worry about that. But um, (laughs) so um, and girls do lots of boys. So we explain um, these. We explain God's precepts and his laws to the young children, to the older children all along the way. So. So flipping over to uh, page five. Uh, well, as we were just talking, you know, you're doing this all the time, everywhere you go, at home. You know, you're posting sticky notes, you're posting Bible verses, you're talking about Bible verses in the car, in the home, in the bathtub, while you're reading to them. Parenting is a marathon. You know, it's it's a long haul. It's not a short sprint, and so you need to keep that in mind as well. Um, but don't keep it in mind as, huh, I have plenty of time. It's just, it's, you've got to keep going. Just like if you were running a marathon, you'd be training, you would be running, you'd have to keep going. And consistency is extremely important. I think most of the adults on our panel will tell you um, inconsistency really undermines a lot of what you do. And we have been guilty of it. And I've already mentioned this next one, but I think this would be okay with younger children. Well, I would suggest it. Posting this on your refrigerator or on your mirror, obey, obey all the way, obey right away, cheerfully. That's a big thing because sometimes our kids would get the all the way right away, but we had to work at the right away. But then the cheerfully, it's like, oh, okay, that's not obeying. I mean, they're doing it, but it's not obeying because it's their heart you're going after that's one thing that we've from the get-go it's the heart that you're you want to capture the heart for christ and to follow christ and so um and delayed this is another one that when i was a new mom friends told us delayed obedience is disobedience so if it's just a moment or if it's ignoring or if it's i didn't hear you that's delayed obedience and that's disobedience and um can I tell the real quick story about Edwin? Okay. Um, we had one of my mentor moms was telling us, and her daughter was a little older than me, but we were all together. And she said when her child was younger, she was getting ready to go somewhere, and she's calling her, Jamie, come on, we've got to go. Jamie, and I don't remember now, I think it was like to the third or fourth time, and this day, Edwin is like ready. We, we're going, she goes in, she says, Jamie, did you not hear me? Oh, yes, Mama, but you didn't get to number six. So Jamie, little preschooler, had already figured out that Mama didn't expect you to come on the first or the second or the third. She, and she knew. So, you know, back to big sinners, little bitty bodies. <laughs> they know exactly how to do that. But that's just, you know, that was a, I've, that's obviously stuck in my mind since Kayla was tiny, tiny, because that was big. They know at that age. That's amazing. So anyway, those those three things, I would keep that. And you know what? It's okay to remind your 18-year-old of that too. You know, <laughs> it, it, and to me, one of the one of the big verses that really impacted me. I shouldn't reference this. I apologize. But of uh, God would much rather have our obedience than our sacrifice, and that is a great principle early on to teach your kids. Just, you know, sacrificing, playing on this and kind of going, okay, I'm not playing Game Boy. Look, I'm not playing Game Boy. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. No, that's not what I wanted. That's not what I asked for. I wanted you to put it down and cheerfully come and do this. Because if we do, if we throw that at God and we say, well, God, look, I didn't go to do this. I didn't go watch this movie. Everybody else went and saw the radar. I didn't do it. I went and did this. God's like, that's not your heart. I want your heart. I don't want your actions. So that's a great principle, the difference between sacrifice and obedience to teach your kids early on. Because I think that's one of the biggest struggles we as adults have with our Christian walk. So that's a, and so obedience of the heart. Obedience of the heart. Not just the body. Yeah. Okay. Since we're running 
low on time on this one. We're going to let you read your Bible verses as homework. Yeah, part of your homework. There <laughs> but you we've referenced them as we talk, too. So. And then, uh, you know, the, the next page, I guess is page six, uh, who has authority in your home? You know, establishing authority, you know, what does that look like? Uh, and, and really, authority is, you know, if we go back to how, what Christ, you know, have Christ have an authority over our life, that means just submitting to somebody that loves me more, has a better vision for my life than me, understands my makeup better than me. And really, th- th- that's the way, as we're teaching, always think about whenever we tell something and the kids have a hard time with it, you don't always have time to do this, but you know, when you can stop and say, do you know why I'm t- saying this? You know, when they, they can't go play at the friend's house, they don't want to. Do you know why I'm saying this? You have two tests this week, and you are tired, you are irritable, you fought with your brother and sister all day yesterday. There was this, there was this. That's not a good choice. And the, take the time to state why I'm doing this, because then you show the love. If you don't, if you just keep saying, do this, do this, you're not showing that Christ loves me and he helps me choose what's best. I love you. I'm going to help you choose what's best. And it's all about love. So if you can make that a habit and just kind of look at each other and say, have I told them why? That's one of the things Stephanie and I look at each other. I feel like I'm getting angry. Does he even know why I'm saying this? You probably need to say it again. Okay. Everybody gather around. I'm going to drive him so I can go talk to him about this. And so make sure you're given the why in respecting each other. One of the great things Stephanie always said to our two oldest boys, she said, you don't have a choice. He is going to be your best friend. Deal with it. And, well, that's what I would say. <laughs> but, but really, that's what came about. And Caleb and Andrew are blood brothers. They get together. They play the guitar together. They'll go out and see a movie together. They love being with each other. And they're going to be best man in each other's wedding probably. And they live life together well because Stephanie early on didn't tolerate it. When they started fighting, she goes, that ain't happening. And she quickly said, you're not going to fight like that. That is your brother. He is going to be your best friend. Now, they still fought. They're yeah, human. They I mean, and they, we have pictures of them in the blue bonnets trying to kill each other. But <laughs> <laughs> my mom said, I'm never getting rid of this. So I can prove to you. But, um, and they disagree. But they do. They are each other, they're each other's keepers. Yeah. And um, just last night, and so at 15 and 18, last night we were um, at a theater and they had a recital. And Caleb, well, they're both, those of you that know them, are pretty much like, these are the rules. You've got to obey them. And he went under them and themselves most of the time, Andrew especially. But um, those that were backstage were not following theater rules, theater etiquette, which was quiet backstage or quiet downstairs in the green room so that those on the stage are actually the spotlight, not the noise downstairs. And so Caleb, being one of the very oldest there, being a senior, graduating, um, corrected some of the kids. And not to Caleb's face, but after Caleb left, another one of the senior boys um, started bad-mouthing Caleb and saying that he was going to do such and such and such and such to Caleb, Caleb if he came back in. And Andrew says, Mom, I was so mad. I wanted to go over and I said, what did you want to go over and do? And he said, tell him, did you know that's my brother? And you're not going to talk to my brother like that? And that's not okay, and you're not going to do that. Of course, those of you that know Andrew, he's pretty scrawny. <laughs> he weighs 100 pounds dripping wet with his shoes on and jeans, I think. <laughs> but um, And he wasn't, he, you know, I thought maybe he was going to think that he was going to make him with his fist, but he wanted to go verbalize this. That you cannot talk to my brother that way. Caleb will do the same thing. He's come back and said, people talk to me about being good at theater, but Andrew is so gifted. And he just talks and tells him that, too. So, But they did fight. They did. We just didn't allow it. And what I did say was, this brother is your best friend, and you need to learn to treat him as a best friend, and you need to learn how to be friends. And until you guys can learn that, this brother is going to be with you your whole life. So this is who I want you to be friends with your whole life. And until you can learn that, we're not inviting anyone over to our house until you guys can get along. So, um, and that, that happened. I mean, 
I didn't make, wait till we were absolutely perfect every day, <laughs> but we were, we did not allow outside play until we were getting along in the home because, again, capturing the heart. And if you're allowing other things back in when you haven't learned that lesson yet, I think that's that was key. So. All right. Well, I'm going to run through these, and then we're going to bring up the smart people. Okay. Of avoid undermining authority. You know, we determine undermine our own authority. When we threaten, I think of one of the things it's it's lazy to threaten. That's one of the things I've learned with me. Whenever I'm trying to be authority and I'm trying to inflict authority, I'm being lazy. I'm not ready to take the time and say, come here, let's talk about this. I'm tired. I'm like, stop it. Y'all quit doing this. I'm going to go watch my show. If I hear anything else, you're both in trouble. That's lazy. And I, I am lazy. And if you set up authority correctly in your home, now I'm not saying this always goes perfectly because we're imperfect. We've already established that. We're sinners. But you have a plan and your kids know the plan. So you go back to the plan. Are you doing such and such? What did I ask you to do? What do we allow that? Um, and so it's not a threat. It's a let's go back because God does that with us biblically. Let's go back to what I've told you before. In the Old Testament, he did that with the Israelites over and over and over. And he's showing patience. And um, so but he's just. <laughs> so the next one is, yeah, repeat ourselves over and over. Uh, but that's different from what I was just talking yeah, about. But, but, but yeah, yeah, remember, obey all the way, right away. That's correct. So, yeah, just compete, yeah, continually repeat. Uh, lack of fortitude in decisions and implementing rules. So I say things, but then I don't always keep it going. I think one of the best rules to, to remember, have fewer rules, but the rules you have, make them firm. A house with a lot of rules is usually showing, it usually teaches a lot of kids to see what they can get away with. Because they're like, oh, there's no way I can do all this. Okay, I'll pick and choose. I'm going to do the ones that really matter. And that's not teaching them to follow God. Because God wants us to, you know, obey and to pursue righteousness. So have fewer rules, but the rules you have, you know, stick with. And we'll ask the panel some, some help on that. But the ones you have, have fortitude and, uh, and push through. Don't beg or bribe. Once again, God doesn't beg and bribe us. You know, if, if we, if we t- go, come on, go ahead. You know, tithing is the only one that gets kind of close to that. But really all he's asking for is obedience. You'll see that in the Bible. And some people say, well, if I give extra, God's going to give me. We need to have a big vacation, kids. Okay, everybody tithe this week. You know, you know, we need some money coming into the account. And so, uh, you know, daddy needs to sell. So everybody tithe. And, uh, but the, uh, but yeah, so, so don't beg and bribe. And then negotiating during conflict. Once again, that's weakness. That's lazy on my part. So during conflict, you know, this isn't a, hey, you know what? I know if, if you will, uh, I'm trying to think some of the best examples. Lord knows I do it. And negotiating conflict is probably the ones I'll do. You know, I'm just like going, okay, I've been saying I would give him an ice cream. We've been talking about it the last week. And then they'll be doing something. I was like, okay, I'm going to pull that card out. But really, I'm negotiating. I, I give him the ice cream because I, I said I was going to do it, but stop this behavior because it's the right thing to do. But I'll blend the two of those together. So you've got to you've got to. Or just negotiating it. during the conflict. Yeah. Okay, wait. Okay, I'm going to come down from my standard so that you can come up from your sinfulness, and we can meet somewhere. And I have a little bit of peace, and you stop that noise in the back seat. You know, that's, um, I've been there. Yeah. But um, while the Panels coming yeah, up. Panel, I come on up. Share there just something that goes along with this beg and bribing and negotiating, just so you know that things stick in the kids' minds. When um, and those of you that know Andrew and Bonnie know that, you know, I love them dearly. Andrew was a different child than most of you that know him today. When he was a preschooler, I, I wanted to pull out all my hair, and. Um, he was just a bundle of energy. He was, we'll talk a little bit more about his kind of defiance. But when he was a toddler and Bonnie was an, still an infant, I still had her on my hip. We were in the grocery store and Caleb was in an art class. So we had just a few minutes to get the things we need and get back to pick him up. 
And Andrew was doing the, I want my own card. I want, and I was thinking, whatever, if we can just get through here. And so I gave him his own card, and he started putting things in his cart that he wasn't supposed to, and he knew the rules. And um, I let him, he had one thing in there, and then he put two things in, and we had this discussion, and I made him take it out, and he started to fuss and said, you can lose your cart, and you can sit up here in the cart. You know, that's not a problem. You can sit in my cart, and we'll just leave that there. And he says, no, I'll do it. And so, again, I'm trying to get back to the art class. And so we start off, and he's behind me, and he rammed his little cart into the back of my ankles. I'm hurt, and I'm pretty angry right now, and he's not obeying. And so I turn around, and I look at him, and my cart is full at this point. I turn around, and I look at him, and I pick him up, and I put him in my cart, and put his things back, and we start off. I just, I think I said something, but not much, because I was pretty angry, and I didn't trust myself right then. Just like, okay, you did not obey. You're getting in the cart. And I put him in the cart. We started off, and he starts throwing a fit. And I said, if you don't stop throwing that fit, we are leaving this grocery store. And he kept going, because he's a big sinner and a little body. And so I take the infant out and the screaming, throwing a fit, two-and-a-half, three-year-old out, And we walk out of Tom Thumb like that. Bonnie, I'm just barely keeping her on my hip. And and the other one is, I've got him under the arms. And people are staring. I promise you, they are staring at me. Some older parents were probably thinking, bless her heart, been there. But um, I got a lot of other stares, though, too. Like, what in the world? Control your kid. I put him in the car, and we went back, and we got Caleb. And he was not happy. And um, we got home that night. We had had very limited groceries because we... That's why we were there. And he asked for something. I said, oh, man, those were in my grocery, st- my grocery shopping cart today. Oh. I said, I guess we won't be having those tonight. And then the next, there were two or three things before we went to bed that night that happened just like that. Oh, man, that was in our shopping cart. We didn't get that. So we'll have to go without it. And so the next day, we did it for breakfast. And we had this conversation. We talked about it the next time we went to the grocery store. We really did not have this problem again. When Bonnie <clears throat> was about that same age, Bonnie doesn't have another sibling underneath her to have to tear out. She starts fussing at the grocery store, and Andrew turns to her and says, oh, Shh, Mommy means it. We will leave with all of our groceries in that cart. <laughs> that was years ago. <laughs> so I'm just telling you, they know if you stick to it. And it's worth it because he did stop doing that. I'll, sometimes he would start up and I would say, Andrew, we will leave. Nothing. Silence. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, hey, uh, we brought the panel up. We're going to ask him a few questions and probably the, the, we'll have the panel up three times and one of the times we'll let y'all ask a lot of questions and we, if we have time, we might have y'all ask a few questions. But one of the things I wanted to ask you guys is, you know, we, we've talked about kind of establishing authority, kind of the obey all the way right away, cheerfully, you know, uh, but establishing authority. How have you guys done that? And some of you may have had to reestablish it. You get it set up, and then you need to – it, it dwindles down, and it's like, okay, we're not where we were wanting to be, so now we've got to restart over. But would some of you all share a little bit about that? You know, how, how do you establish authority? Uh, how did you make that happen either as younger kids or when the kids got older? Uh, one of the first things that we started doing when the kids were very little, we were big on giving them reasons behind why we were doing what we were doing so that they could walk away understanding it like what y'all were talking about. Um, We explained to them about how God establishes authority and how he is the head of the household and every household. And then there are the parents with the dad first and then the mother and then the children underneath. And then we would give them the picture of the umbrella. When they were littler, we would tell them about an umbrella of protection and how... um, if they would stay under God's umbrella of protection by following what their mom and dad were saying, they would be uh, protected from many of the problems that they would get hit with otherwise. And, you know, they had that choice. They could step off from underneath that umbrella whenever they wanted to, but they would experience the pain that would come with that. And um, um, we just talked to them a lot about why God sets up guidelines, that it's not about... um, taking things away from us or preventing us from having a good time. Um, but it's all about love mm-hmm. and that those guidelines are there with the strict purpose of um, giving us the best that he has, that he designed us 
and um, like if you have a toaster and you put a pair of wet socks in there to dry, that's not going to work really well. It's not following the instructions for the toaster. But if you use it as you're supposed to, it works well. So if we follow God's guidelines in our lives, our lives are going to function in the best way they possibly can. So one of the big things that we did was just explain authority to them and why it was like that. We used the umbrella a lot. We, and still, even our teenagers, not Caleb, he doesn't do that. But even Andrew will say, this is that umbrella. And I was not under your umbrella today. So he uses that just to confess to me real fast so it doesn't. Um, and so it sticks. They know that this was, it might not happen. We explained it like you might not get wet every time that you're out from underneath the umbrella. And sometimes you're going to get wet under the umbrella. You're going to get, but his best intention is to be under that authority. So that's. That was good. Um, Yeah, I think uh, we did very similar things. I think uh, one thing we also did was, um, and we still do a lot of, is just remind them that we are not perfect, but we've been entrusted by God. To raise you, and um, I think it's important to show that that we are sinners too, that we are not perfect. That just because we, we say something, you need to do it, but understand that um, we're we're always in this walk seeking Him, and that uh, that you know we're 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 uh, we're not perfect people, and um, I think they uh, they see us more as not just parents, but as uh, as humans along this walk with them too. We do that, and make ourselves vulnerable. And, One little thing. Um, just a conversation I was having with my daughter the other day. Um, I don't even remember what it was. And we've had a similar conversation several times. She was wanting to do something. I didn't feel like it was appropriate or right for her to do it. And she was reasoning with me why she thought it would be. You know, and finally I said, you know, Katie, bottom line is you're 15. From your perspective, you know, it seems right and a good, reasonable thing for you to do. I promise you when you're... 30, 40, and your daughter wants to do that, you'll see it from a different perspective. So, you know, there's just sometimes that um, I just want to encourage them that what seems good for a teenager is not necessarily what is best. And, you know, and she did understand that. She finally said, okay. So, and she went with it. Our 26-year-old has more recently said, okay, I need your counsel on this. I know when I was 18, I didn't listen. And, but I will now. <laughs> and he's had, he's had a rough row. But he will come back to us at this point and say, okay, I need your counsel. Um, I, we have grandchildren now, so some of this seems like, oh, man, that was a long time ago. <laughs> but um, I was sharing with our grandchildren, uh, I think I had all four of them um, near Valentine's Day. And so we were making little special love notes to their parents for them to, to take home and hide for a couple of weeks, which didn't work with the three-year-old, you know, it was like as soon as he walked in the door. But um, one of the things I talked to with them was the scripture that, um, that says that our obedience to the Lord is how one of the ways we show we love him. And so that I shared with them, you know, or talked about how, how do you love your mommy? Well, we give, we give hugs and we bring her flowers or whatever. But I said another way is that you obey your mom and dad, and that's how you show them that you love them. And so that's a, you know, sometimes I think there's a disconnect there. Kids think love has to just be giving something or whatever. But the word says that loving God is obeying him, and they can learn that as well. Mary and I grew up in the uh, Father Knows Best TV show kind of atmosphere and environment. Um, I think it was pretty well just assumed the whole authority structure in our lives. We started having kids under that assumption. And just the idea of modeling to them in a well-defined definition of authority, a structure, a solid structure, where those kids can grow up seeing mom and dad operating under authority, in authority, 
and everybody benefiting from that. And to see mom and dad in church actively worshiping the Lord, showing that he is our authority, that means so much. Even to a a one or a two-year-old, they're catching it. So operate, model within your structure of authority. Show the kids what authority is by doing it. Amen. Of quality time in our fast-paced world is hard. You know, um, you know, a lot of a lot of parents are both working, and kids have three activities apiece. So then there could be you know fifteen activities going on: school, work, you know, just everything. So how do you find quality time? And, and then, well, one, find quantity time. How do you find quality time? Or maybe how do you tell your kids no on activities and kind of protect that time? I think um, part of it is just setting aside your calendar and every week trying to do a family time. Um, and there are things that, like even for the summer that Mike and I talked about, what we want to do with our kids. And some of it is simple as just sitting and reading together. Um, I have always read to the kids. Um, and even now, um, I'm reading a book specifically to my younger two. They're um, 9 and 11. And um, But always when I'm reading that, my 13-year-old comes in. She squeezes her way between the younger ones and puts her head on my shoulder. She's about to turn 14. You know, I'm looking at her thinking... She loves this, and if Cal were home and he's usually out washing a car or doing something, he would be right there with us too. And so, um, but now what we're trying to do is just even in the middle of the afternoon, I'll, um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with Pandora, <laughs> but it's a free music, and I'll just put it on like symphonic stuff, you know, so it's classical music, and it just gets real peaceful, and we all grab a book and sit, and it's just like whatever you want, but we're all on the couch or in the chair in the living room together with a book or with our Bible, and we're all. Doing things, and it's enjoyable, and my youngest, one, part of the reason is because I want to establish a love for reading for him, because he enjoys for me to read to him, but um, doesn't really love to read himself, and so anyway, he came to me even that night, we just started that this week, and he was like, Mom, I, I read more tonight, this afternoon I picked up my book, and I read two more chapters, and, and he's excited about that, but then other family activities, and we've even done, um, I need to pull it back out, but we decoupaged a box one time, just a shoe box, and I had everybody drop some things, ideas of fun activities they would like to do that cost nothing, and sometimes it's a picnic at the park, or maybe it's a family basketball game, or whatever the activity might be, um, it could be you know watching the Rangers on TV and having a picnic in the middle of the living room, which is kind of one of those unheard of things, eating in the living room, but just doing something that would be fun for the kids that brings um, about a fun memory and um, just having, so we're not always having to think, maybe it's just go to draw from that little box and choose something. But family activities, it's great. Sure. Everybody look at my wife. Is she cringing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hey, real quick, we'll do this as we go, but introduce yourselves and tell us how long you've been married and how many kids you've had, the ages of the kids, and we'll do that next time we come back. Is she cringing again? <laughs> uh, we've been married uh, 20 years now. Yeah, this last April. Oh, A.J. Lutz is, is my name. My wife is, is Jill. A.J. stands for and Jill. <laughs> <laughs> So now you got us both. Um, uh, we have a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old, a soon-to-be 15-year-old, and a 12-year-old. Uh, boom, 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 boom. Um, quality time, quantity time. Uh, let me let me say uh, two things first. Uh, one is I'm blessed to have several uh, exceptional children. And I would say first and uh, foremost, that's because I have an extraordinary wife. Uh, make of wise choice. <laughs> there. Um, I say that for uh, a couple reasons. One is uh, 
many times my wife will call me before I come home and say, you know, Jeffrey, something happened today. Don't don't be too hard on him because he's uh, having some particular issue. She makes me aware of what the children are going through so that my time with them uh, can be more productive. Um, uh, one other thing I wanted to inject in here, and I think it's 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 been said before, is you have to enjoy your children at some point. You have to have some uh, relationship with them, or one, they won't listen to you, uh, and number two, you won't be that interested in getting stuff across to them. You won't be interested in training them. Okay, quality time. Uh, for me, my goal this year and has been for a, a couple years is to have two date nights with each child for the entire year. That doesn't sound like much. Uh, but to get away uh, with them and uh, go out to dinner and play the, you know, I know what your favorite color is, your favorite animal, your favorite whatever, and be able to keep a, a, a dialogue going on uh, to find out what's going on in their in their little brains and in their lives. Uh, I think you know keeps the relationship through the years. Good. Um, one of the things that I found has worked really really well in our household um, is to take the moments that present themselves when they present themselves, and then sit down and have talks with the kids. As you're going through your days, you're going to notice things that they're struggling with. Um, they're going to have, we're going to encounter problems, but it's not going to be an appropriate time to really fully address them. And so I kind of have this running file in my head of things that need to be addressed and talked about. And so Matt and I, my oldest, um, his one of his favorite things to do during his younger years, like 15, 16, was to go to Walmart at midnight. Everyone else would be asleep. The house would be quiet. I would still have work to do. <laughs> so he would get in the car, and we would just go. And it was a special treat to stay up late, and we would have the best conversations. And we could address things that were going on in his heart and weaknesses that I had seen in him over the last few weeks or whatever and biblically talk about what it was that he was doing that was inappropriate and, um, and just kind of go from there. I also take my children away, too, um, on overnights. Uh, not very often, maybe once a year, we get to sneak away and do an overnight, and those are great quality times. They really look forward to them, and I think they have catalogs running in their head, too, things that they want to sit and talk about. And then uh, lastly, at the end of the day, a lot of times we'll just lay down on a bed and just start talking. And a lot of times the best things come out when they're doing the talking, and I'm just laying there. And then they'll start to talk. And then lo and behold, all these things that they're dealing with will come out. So, so those have been some really good quality moments. I'm uh, Mike Robinson. My wife, Kathy Robinson. We've been married uh, 19 years next month. We have four kids. We are Greg and Renee Benson, and in August it'll be 28 years. We have a 26-year-old son, a 21-year-old son, a daughter that will be 20 in August, and another daughter that is 15. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you know that was one of the things we were talking about this morning before we came here. Is you know looking back on on the the quantity of time and even some of the degree quality of time that I've had with my kids I've really if I could if I could retool that and redo that again I would but at the same time I was trying to provide for my family uh, and yet I, you know I tried to model that and you know as a, as a positive way as I could and I think my children respect that you know I wasn't out golfing I wasn't out bowling I was trying to provide for my family and I think that comes across to them as well because, you know, my kids do, would you say they're good workers? They're good workers. Uh, so, you know, I, I wanted to share that with you because if you're a father right now and you're doing your best, you know, 
you're, you're, you're not with your kids and you know that you'd like to be with them more and it would be good if you were with them more, but you're doing what you have to do to provide for your family, you know, ask the Lord to, to open up ways, but don't get under condemnation. Amen. Don't get under condemnation. Um. Because of the age of our children right now, I'm thinking, when do we have quality time as a whole family? It's just next to impossible because, I mean, and probably most people do not have three adult children living at home. And really, if you, 15-year-olds nearly an adult, but they all have jobs and different schedules. And so, you know, if we go out to eat and we call them all, amazingly, they show up. (laughs) So, so yeah, I mean, it is a sacrifice. It's an investment at times to have all our kids show up. So we're trying to figure out, okay, what's a reasonably priced place that we can all go? So, I mean, food is a connection, especially when you've got two boys. Um, One of the other things that's always been a super high-quality time one-on-one is picking my kids up from school. I mean, we homeschool for a while. We've done private school for a while. And then our kids have finished up at the public school at Martin. It's a pretty decent school. Anyway, and my 15-year-old daughter is starting Martin for the first time this next year. I am determined, whatever it takes, I will pick her up at school because I know that's when she's going to talk to me. She will tell me everything that went on. And so that's real important to me. I'll be working some, but to arrange my schedule to pick her up is real important to me. You want to introduce us? We're Bernie and Mary Van Ruckel. Uh, we've been married for 43 years. Our anniversary is a week, f- uh, a year from today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm an engineer. I'm sorry. Thank you. We have uh, two daughters. I think a lot of you know both of them. Uh, In their 30s, we won't (laughs) disclose. (laughs) We're we're starting to see in the future birthdays with a zero in the end, you know. (laughs) Uh, Four grandkids, uh, thoroughly enjoying being around kids. Um. For quality time, it doesn't have to be anything big. I think, remember, you know, we're talking about all the ways that, you know, you're, you got your life scheduled and whatever. But remember just to have silly times with your kids. It's okay just to, you know, to be silly. My, my daughters remember the time I was riding the sofa cushions around the house like, like a horse. And, you know, they're, te- they're telling our future son and sons-in-law this and they're kind of looking at me like, <laughs> I can't see your mother doing that. But, you know, uh, just dancing silly with the grandkids. They love it. They look at you like, Grandma, what are you doing? You know, just have fun sometimes. Just be silly. Go, you know, skip with them and jump rope and, you know, just have funny little giggle times. Hey, uh, Bernie, one thing I'd like for you to hit on because we're short on time, but how did you uh, show support to your wife? And, you know, kind of foster that unity whenever there was, you know, you know, challenges going on with the kids. When the kids were trying to divide you, you know, as, as a parental unit, you know, or with some things that you did as a father to kind of back up your wife and, you know, kind of bring some unity there. Well, you can, you can be emphatic in a kind way about... Uh, if there's a discipline problem between one or both of the girls and mom, yeah, I'm back in mom. There's no question. And uh, if one comes to you and says, can I do this? Well, what mom say? Uh, <laughs> well, what mom say? Well, she said, uh, well, let's go with what mom said. We're in agreement with this. And a few times, they'll, they'll get that idea. They'll, they'll know it. 